0: Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nick and Chandler. I'm grabbing my trench coat and working on my kickboxing skills to prep for today's discussion about Say Anything, which is number 25 on the 50 best rom list. I want to welcome in returning guest, Bo Gatlin. So, Bo, is your uh, boombox still in working order?
1: My original boombox from the seventh grade lasted quite a long time. I'm 41 now. I got that when I was 13 from working at a feedlot uh it was a bribe for my mom to get me to do it and it lasted until about eight years ago i'm happy to say so no longer but it still uh looms large in my memory <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> very nice <laughs> last time you we were on the show we discussed uh the predator pe- uh, predator prequel prey uh, which we both said at the time is really not a movie we both would normally watch or discuss so i think it's fair to say say anything It's probably more in the mold of our type of movie is that a fair assessment
1: I'm so glad we're talking about Say Anything today. <laughs> yeah, it's very fair to say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good. Well, uh, let's grab our graduation caps and head to Seattle to discuss Cameron Crowe's Say Anything. I'm going to take out Diane Court.
1: Diane Court doesn't go out. She's a brain. Trapped in the body of a game show hostess. We don't want to see you get hurt.
0: I want to get hurt. Diane Court. Hi. Lloyd Dobler, sir. I'm an athlete, so I rarely drink. I can kickboxing. I heard of kickboxing, Sport of the Future. I can see by your face, no. My point is you can relax because your daughter will be safe with me for the next seven to eight hours, sir. Say Anything is a 1989 American teen romantic comedy drama film written and directed by Cameron Crowe in his feature directorial debut. The film follows the romance between Lloyd Dobler, John Cusack, an average student, and Diane Court, Iona Skye, the class valedictorian, Immediately after their graduation from high school, this budding romance is threatened when Diane's overly possessive, disapproving father played by John Mahoney interferes with their relationship. With a prize scholarship to study abroad, hanging in the balance, Diane must find a way to make both men happy. In 2002, Entertainment Weekly ranked Say Anything as the greatest modern movie romance, and it was ranked number 11 on Entertainment Weekly's list of the 50 best high school movies. So, Bo, do you agree with those rankings?
1: I think, and I love this movie, that those are quite generous. You, <laughs> you said one of these ranked it as number one? Greatest modern movie romance. Wow. I mean, interesting, to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> um, so many things about this movie hold up, I think. So many things don't. Uh, but, yeah, I think those are somewhat generous, and I, I love this movie. So, that's Is interesting. It
0: am- Is it a movie you've
1: seen a lot? I've probably seen this um, less than a dozen times, but maybe more than five. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, I honestly, I know I had seen this before. I can't even tell you when I saw it. I mean, it's probably one of those, you know, there's the iconic scene of John Cusack hanging, you know, holding the bin box above his head. Mm -hmm. And so I know I saw it. I'm a big Cameron Crowe fan. Um, and some of his movies are my favorite personal movies, and so I know I probably almost saw that and probably saw singles his other move, one of his other movies, probably around the same time, just kind of went on a little Cameron Crowe kick. But it have been a while since I'd seen this, so it is one of those. It may, it, and I mean this in a good way, it makes sense that this was a directorial debut. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not.
1: Well, I didn't realize this was his debut, and I have to say. Um, for as generous as I think the those ratings are, he kind of knocked it out of the park for a debut, I think. I mean, so many things really, really are outstanding about this movie. So, I mean, kudos to you, Camera Crow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he has been waiting for uh Bo and Nathan to sure, yeah. It.
1: <laughs> validation.
0: Yeah, and I I don't mean that as a knock, but uh I do think this movie is probably especially preparing for this podcast after I watched it. Uh, the second time rewatching this, I really enjoyed the movie, just enjoyed my time with it. And honestly, prepping for this podcast and discussing about it. And when I started writing the review uh, and putting to words about this movie, I kind of realized it was a lot deeper movie than in the moment. Like there's a lot of things I think that are going on. I I think where it might kind of show show that it's a directorial debut is there's some things that aren't quite as tight as like probably you would see in later, like in Jerry Maguire or, or almost famous. But um, man, I, I do think just the brilliance and how he uses a lot of things, everything, anything from the pen to, you know, there's a little tidbit about that story where she's talking about uh, being scared on the airplane and how that plays out in the final scene. There's just a lot of things like that working where you're like, Oh yeah, this guy knows how to construct a movie.
1: Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, related to the the tightness, maybe we'll talk about that some later, but a lot of memorable moments and scenes and quotes in this one for sure. And I, I'll tell you up front that probably 80s movies like this are just my absolute favorite um, type of movie. I mean, I was born in 81, so I'm certain I would not have seen this when I was, you know, when it was still the 80s. But I would have watched it probably on cable television or something like that. And probably if if I had anyone I felt like I could relate to, and I don't know if it was the quirkiness or the... is John Cusack is what I'm getting at. I mean, Better Off Dead was a totally mm-hmm. strange, you know, movie with... Um, a Steve Savage movie and and so many Cusack movies though. I mean, he was definitely a man of the eighties, right. And and beyond, but but probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite actor in eighties movies uh, like this, he's just the best. Yeah. And there's something he,
0: he has this every man quality to him, uh, especially around this time in the eighties and everything. Uh, But also, uh, there's a charisma there that kind of, tra- you know, trans- transcends the screen a little bit. I mean, he even plays a little, I th- think he's in Stand By Me as the older brother who's died. And I think they there's just like a flashback scene of him in it. And there is something like he looks normal, but he's also, he's also handsome, but he's also real kind of quirky. And I think people can really relate to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, anyone who's ever um, experienced self-doubt or been less than completely confident uh, could love a character like Lloyd Dobler in this movie or most of the characters that John Cusack plays. I love yeah. that his sister is in this movie as well. I mean, there's some, you know, if you watch this now, um, I guess you might not recognize Jeremy Piven, but uh, yeah. gosh, there's so many great actors in this movie um the guy you know her father is played by i I don't know his name i just call him the dad from frazier having watched that show for many years (laughs) right john mahoney is that his name um yeah that's his name great cast
0: yeah i think that i think i think the first time i watched this for some reason frazier was actually a show i watched a a lot um actually probably not when in the moment when it was on but in east texas for whatever reason I think Fraser came on after the ten o'clock news, <laughs> and so I like reruns, and I would watch it then or whatever. But yeah, uh, when I saw this movie at, at the time, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I just had never even thought about him doing things outside of Fraser <laughs> for whatever <Yeah>. reason. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's he's really good at the uh, as the dad here. And I think what I really liked about this movie was that it's clearly a teenage romance that's happening. Mm -hmm. And Cameron Crowe leans into these things that are very funny and almost nostalgic of like, I mean, I was guilty of like, when I liked someone, like I liked them, you know, really hard, like big, you know, it it wasn't quite like into the world type of stuff, but that's how teenage love kind of frames a lot of things. Like if I don't get this person, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I like how he, he he doesn't really poke fun of that, but he makes like he, he makes funny moments of it. But it's also a very serious thing. This is a time in their lives where they're having to make big decisions about you know after graduate you know after graduation wh- what am I going to do? And honestly, playing into the John Mahoney, uh, uh, Diane's dad, you know like and the <laughs> the tax problems that he had. You know, I, I like how he frames this teen romance and in, into real life, uh, real life. Uh, conflicts does that make sense
1: yeah um it's I, fr- I think the first time i re-watched this where it would have had any real maybe meaning to it was when i was um, a junior in college and i had just started talking with stacy who is now my wife and uh, we were visiting over the phone that summer she had gone away um to work in a different state and so Um, I was spending the summer attending OU doing some summer school um, and living with my cousin and his wife who were gracious enough to let me have a room in their house. And they had a newborn. So I didn't really want to bother them. So I've spent most of my time in this room and they must've had say anything on VHS. And I, you know, there was a, a VCR in the room. So this might've been like, let's say 2003 and so I probably actually watched it more than I'm than I mentioned up front. Cause I watched it lots that summer and obviously with, um, watching it now, you know, uh, 17 year, 18 years later, or maybe 20 years later, I guess, uh, it hits very different because I was very much, I suppose like you in that if I was going to fall for somebody, it was all in, it was all or nothing. And, I could totally have related to Lloyd in this movie then it honestly now just makes me really uncomfortable <laughs> uh, Yeah, as a, as a father of three daughters who I hope, you know, someday go on to, <laughs> to find significant relationships that um, this guy has no plans, honestly, outside of one being a great guy and that that's commendable. And, uh, you know, it's all you would hope for, for, I suppose your, your, uh, your daughters to find someone that's a, a great person, but also, um, what happens when, when this doesn't work out, you know, I mean, he's, he's just off the deep end as he did. And what a great, like dark moment in this movie. I mean, the, the standing in a phone booth, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but standing in a phone booth in the rain, you know, talking to a sister and the just driving around with a personal narrative, you know, hitting up some guy. I mean, it's just, it's so dramatic, but it's, it's probably also because of that, just so relatable as well
0: completely and but it's hard because like you said yeah having the perspective now uh from a dad standpoint and i just want to know uh one thing a common thing i've been finding in a lot of these rom-coms are uh single dads for whatever reason like Mm -hmm. in there so there's this movie uh 10 things i hate about you i don't know why this has become a motif in rom-coms but i guess maybe it's allows the girl to you know want to get away from the dad i don't i don't know for whatever reason but yeah like you said as a dad now it's one of those yeah no he has no thought about the future of what he's gonna do but it's hard because he obviously is committed to her so like it's like you know it's like well he doesn't have any of these plans but you at least know he's gonna like he's a nice guy like you said and he's gonna care for her and watch out for her you know they they allude that to that at the party scene where he's always kind of checking on her but really honestly not in like a creepy way which Mm -hmm. it could be because i kind of like that because they go to the party together and he even though he likes her he's comfortable with like letting her do her own thing he gives enough distance i guess where she's she doesn't get too creeped out
1: (laughs) can we talk just a little bit about how great uh at least to me the, the little side conversations he has with his two friends, you know, that he's bouncing ideas off of who is it? CC and, uh, and DC. Um, yes. I might have those names on, but um, I mean, th- those are some, some great moments. It seems that he, he's kind of absent of male friends really that are close. Although Lloyd is an everyman. I mean, this party, he, everyone loves him. He's the key master. He doesn't seem to have an enemy in the world though maybe some any real direction or ambition he knows what he doesn't want but i i think the moments with his friends and their little quick conversations were some of my favorites in the entire movie
0: it does a good job of saying that he came in late into this process of high school because i remember a guy who started our senior year and everybody just kind of generally loved him just because he was new and he okay. was nice yeah sense. and he was he got really popular but like i don't think anybody ever truly got to know him and mm. i think that actually fits this narrative really really well i think that that would happen in a high school at that at that point but uh, yeah they would quickly become the key master
1: <laughs> you know what's funny too i'm not thinking i haven't thought about this until now but for this to be a high school movie and i suppose it is but like it starts at the end literally of high school I mean, it's graduation day, and for me, that period of time from when high school had actually ended until college was just kind of strange to me. I mean, you're you're leaving something you're very familiar with, entering something not at all. I was planning to go to college and, and knew where I was headed, so um, for this to even be considered a high school movie is kind of funny, just from the sense that they were in high school for, you know— leaving it but um you know another kind of just uh, maybe cringe thing is the fact that this party that they go to i mean the guy's he's 22 you know he's a hanger on he's uh but i suppose maybe that's realistic as well you know
0: (laughs) yeah and i I also have to say and this is probably one of those like what i was talking about these little moments that are kind of felt like okay this is like a newer director that's on the scene but when his guidance counselor uh shows up at the party um i don't really know and famously played by bb newworth uh who was also in the cheers fraser universe and this was her first uh movie actually (laughs) she just shows up to the party to basically chide uh, Lloyd about what decisions he, he was making and that he was the only one who didn't declare something. And then she just kind of leaves. And I was just like, why is she there at this party? So there's kind of a few moments like that where, like, kind of nitpicky, you're like, huh, that yeah. was very, that was very much a like, okay, audience, we're going to set this up for you. <laughs> you
1: know, so yeah. 1000% struck me that way. And not only did she show up, she, Almost was like catching him on her way inside, like what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. up with a purpose, she parked in the driveway and she's gonna roll in there. I, I was so confused by that as well. Um, I don't know if that's a, a hallmark of an 80s movie or maybe it is just a, a directorial debut type of thing, but yeah, um, yeah, of course, wouldn't have thought a second about that being that age having not been in, or being younger and having never been in high school, maybe it would have seemed odd to me if, you know, I were at a party and my guidance counselor didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think another thing that hits, you know, uh, I, I think certain people may have struggled with this more than other people, but just, just that general pressure as as you're leaving high school, you know, going out into the quote-unquote real world. I, I I really like that portrayal here. Uh, you know, very similar to like the themes that are kind of playing with in the graduate Justin uh, Hoffman's film. Mm -hmm. but no matter like you, like I I knew where I wanted to go. I I knew what my major was going to be. I mean, there were those things, but I think anybody can relate to that pivotal moment, no matter if you have things figured out or if you don't at all, or also if you're like someone who's had their future planned out, like Diane's in this movie, Uh, I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that, of that constant parental pressure of being perfect. And so I think, Crow does a good job of kind of I, I think no matter where you're on the spectrum, you probably connect to somebody in this movie.
1: Yeah, there's. um, There's a real sweetness to both characters watching it this most recent time, I had never really kind of viewed the whole thing through the lens of Diane. And that was kind of interesting to do because she did kind of come across. I know she was worried of being like a, a priss. You know, she was obviously valedictorian, so she she probably sacrificed a lot of social things, but people were honestly happy to have her around, mm-hmm. and she she comes across to me as somewhat naive when it comes to, like, dating, but, you know, from the movie, she had gone out with some, you know, frat-type guys. She had had dated some, and it, it really kind of lended to just falling in love with her even more in the sense that she just wasn't about that. You know, she was maybe the the best type of person to appreciate a character like Lloyd. Um, and just right. seeing that genuine, especially, I mean, for all of his faults, her father in this movie, the relationship that they had and the openness that they had was, was really kind of admirable. And he certainly wanted to do the right things by her. Um, I mean, the, the movie Say Anything is, is really... Well, I, I suppose it feeds into lots of lots of relationships in the movie. I mean, it's all about openness and, and really saying what's out there, but she certainly had that with her dad. I think it's, it's one of their lines and you can say anything mm-hmm. to me, and they could do that. That was, it was nice to see.
0: Yeah. Um, how, how did the, I, I even remember watching it the first time and kind of being surprised by this IRS plot line. Uh, so, to, so to speak, be, because I, I think I've been inundated with so many images from this movie. And so I very much kind of went in thinking about what it was going to be, which it is. But then I had no idea about this IRS uh, problems that her uh, dad has in it.
1: And so do, do you think that works in this movie? It's a good question. Again, you know, you put yourself in an 80s movie. You're just along for the ride. So, <laughs> <laughs> in a sense i guess so it, it is interesting i don't know if it's just to to break the this idea that her life was perfect and and everything was on track and clearly from the from the outset even though she had done everything she was supposed to do they had a plan for that she was very uncertain in her her valedictorian speech right i mean she she was scared and so yeah it was a, a little twist, I suppose not to mention like the, the dinner party that they had with, you know, one of Lloyd's probably most memorable quotes about what it is. He wants to do with his future, not buying, selling or producing anything. I mean, that's so great. But, um, what was kind of fun there was, was like the, the guests at that dinner. Yes. I was like, where are these guys come? I mean, who are, who are these people in their universe? You know? Um, it's just her father, so I suppose, and her mother's out of the picture. I suppose he would have had a small, tight group of friends, but um, he was, like, the director of an assisted living center.
0: Right, It right? yeah.
1: seemed to be a very much, like, mom-and-pop type of, you know, this wasn't a corporatized, like, assisted living center. And his friends kind of came across as, like, big city um, art snobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was just there to make Lloyd contrast against them even more, but yeah. Yeah. The IRS thing was unusual for sure. Um, and then there, it was, it was fun to see, you know, them throwing out some nuggets there, even with, he asked about the, the jukebox and he's like, how does one go about getting that, sir? And he's like, oh, you find $9,000. which you know, it's later in the movie is a, you know, is the tie into the IRS stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, earlier on, I Diane grew on me more in this version of the movie. I think for Lloyd, his character in the movie, it came across very much as someone who was in love with the idea of love. And he was directing it at her. Yes. More so than even she was the object of his love. I mean, he just he wanted to love somebody. He wanted to. What is it he said at the beginning? Like, I want to get my heart broken. Mm -hmm. or i want to be open and so i watching it with that i it was a little bit um it's like that's what he knew that he wanted he didn't know what he wanted to do for a career but he knew that he wanted that and so he was pursuing that whether it was diane or anyone else i guess lucky for for him it was diane but
0: we've touched on some of the great quotes in this movie What, what are some of your favorites
1: okay um i shouldn't lead with my absolute favorite but i'm going to and it happens just almost at the very end of the movie. And it's hard to take this movie too seriously, even though it, it can lend that way. I mean, obviously, Lloyd ends up being really a, a, a nice rock and foundation for this um, relationship. But um, it's at the very end when they're when they're sitting on the plane and it's something to the effect of nobody thinks it will work. We shouldn't be together. Should we? And he says, "No, you just described every great success story." <laughs> yeah, it's so, very, yeah. so fantastic. So, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> um, the one that struck me was there's a conversation there in a guitar store, and he's he's Lloyd is there with his two girlfriends. Um, I think that he's just sent this letter to Diane, and. Um, one of the characters, DC, I mean, she has very few lines in the movie and finally she has something she wants to say and she speaks up for herself and she's like, Cece, you never let me talk. Just let me say what I want to say. And then she, she instantly forgets what it is she was going to say. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. This. I mean, this movie has a lot of like little moments like that, which make it rewatchable. Yeah. What
0: about yeah, you? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I I liked even and this might have actually been the same uh, scene where they're in the music store. But the world is full of guys. Be a man. Don't be a guy. I really like that. I really like that line. Uh, uh, you alluded it to to it also. But when he's in the phone booth in the rain, uh, and my sister said this in the last podcast, so she had clearly uh, seen this movie before. But she gave me a pin. I gave her my heart, and she gave me a pin. And I love how I love how that ties in uh, at the very end, you know, uh, at the in the jail yard or whatever like that. And of course, uh, you also alluded to the table, well, first when he meets her dad for the first time, but also the dinner table scene. He just doubled downs on you know on kickboxing again. So uh, my father's in the army. He wants me to join, but I can't work for that corporation. Um, so what I've been doing lately is kickboxing. which is a uh, new sport, but I think it's got a good future. Which he wasn't completely off, you know, like UFC, you know, it's Jiu-Jitsu, not traditional, you know, kickboxing, but, you know, it definitely really took off. So I think you can really credit it back to Lloyd Doppler (laughs) to the success of martial arts, I think.
1: (laughs) Great call, Lloyd. You were totally right about that. (laughs)
0: Um, so a lot of these quotes kind of really tie into scenes, but, uh, what are some of your favorite scenes?
1: Okay. So probably the scene toward the end where he's visiting Diane's dad in prison. I mean, okay, let me, let me run this back real quick. So another kind of like the guidance counselor being at a party moment was when it's clear that Diane and Lloyd maybe have something. And she says to him, I'm only going to be home for 16 weeks. I'm like, wait a second, 16 <laughs> weeks. Who talks like that? Like that, you know, that's a long time. Like <laughs> if she had said, I'm only here for four weeks. I'd be like, that's one month. That's a really short, like 16 weeks, you know, like plenty of time to, for lots of things to develop. So anyway, forward, going forward to the point where, where Lloyd is there, I mean, they're not married, they're not engaged, they've been dating for clearly less than 16 weeks. And <laughs> and and he who is this guy Lloyd that he um feels confident to go talk to her dad in prison to really be the intermediary because he's just such a great guy. I mean, how can you not love Lloyd Dobbler for doing this? You know, yeah. I mean, he's and leading up to the part where you know he's obviously helped Diane craft this letter that he's given her, but she's crafted different versions and he knows it so, so intimately. he's like, is it the version that says this at the end? The dad flips the paper over and it's not that one where it says, um, what is it? I I love you or whatever it is. Uh And um, he says like, just knowing that a version like that exists, knowing that for just a minute, she felt that and wrote, I can't help loving you. That has to be a good thing. Such a such a great moment. And, and the dad doesn't. He hates that. That's coming from Lloyd. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he hates. He has to hate that. But it was just such a again a sweet moment of of Lloyd just being who he is. And you're like, okay, this guy doesn't know what he's doing in life, but he's got some things figured out. Like he kind of knows what he's about, and that's pretty admirable. That was a favorite scene of mine. How about you? What was one of yours? I'll think of another one.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I had a couple. You you alluded to it. we talked about the the dinner scene. That's just. That was great, but also because... I I very much related to that scene. I've had not not quite that that awkward of scene, but I've definitely uh, before been asked a question and I knew I didn't deliver uh, deliver the correct answer to the adult audience. Um, so, but I like that scene a lot. Um, You've talked to just about the love letter itself um, that he's written to Diane, and I, I have it here. I just have to read it because they're they're talking about it, and then when she starts to read it you as an audience uh, person is ready just to embrace what's said here
1: dear diane i'll always be there for you all the love in my heart lloyd
0: (laughs) and that's what i mean by this like teenage romance like he did i mean it is very sweet like when's the last time i wrote something like that to whitney just because you know what i mean like it is very sweet but it is funny as audience member you're waiting for this like big like poem or something and it's just you know Diane I'll always be there you know I just I really like that scene and just uh, how his friends play off one another and um, speaking of his friends the party scene where his friend Corey Lilly is I just wrote it down as the songs about Joe You as a musician, like you had to love the all the songs she was. How many did they allude to? Sixty, sixty-five. She wrote (laughs) sixty-five
1: songs, and she's gonna sing them all that night. And not only that, not only that, she has a rapt audience. Like there is a guy who I don't think left her side all night. And I, I have never in my life been in any scenario that's as exciting as these parties in 80s high school movies look i mean there's just so many tremendous things happening everywhere you know you want you can go spend some time over here and and listen to that um maybe her, you
0: are going to the wrong parties. maybe so
1: maybe so i don't think i'm with any parties so that's probably part of it but even now i'm like i want to find that party now like where there's where's that kind of action happening you know um i will say this so i know cameron crowe i had read that the liner notes to the soundtrack for this had extensive um extensive like notes from him on the different songs and stuff i've never owned the soundtrack to this i honestly don't even love very many of the songs in this movie at all but of course later movies of his i mean are, are maybe almost m- movies to support a soundtrack <laughs> right in, in a sense i mean it's music is so big to him and so kudos to um Lily and John. I mean, for actually in any scene where they're holding a guitar, they're actually playing it. Oh me. yeah. Um, and so that was kind of fun to see. It was fun to see. Uh, Cause I, I do, I love guitars. And so um, it was nice to see some old guitar stores in the eighties and just the, the instruments that were playing. That was cool. But the um, yeah, those, those two friends of his are just the best, you know, what, what is it they say after they've read this earth shattering letter you know, she says, have you ever in your life or I've never in my life received a letter like that or have you? And that friend says, I've dreamed of it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good.
0: So good. Um, yeah. Now we have to talk about, I mean, the boombox scene. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the most you know, iconic scenes. Uh, even if you haven't seen this movie, you have certainly seen this image, whether it's a poster or T-shirt or wherever. So I even forgot really like um I guess first before I go into it a do you do you love this scene and b um do you why do you think it's memorable if so
1: well um I think that this scene is memorable one because it's probably featured on the movie poster so it's a visual right yes two it's it's been featured in I think like lots of things I know The Simpsons I think that there's a, a version of that I liken this scene to um, at least watching it in the movie to like having visited the Alamo I don't know if you've ever visited the Alamo in San Antonio but the first time I, I was in that area I mean I walked past it four times and didn't even notice it until someone pointed it out to me So I don't know aside aside from this being an iconic scene that it, it really would have impacted me at all um other than like... It's just so in line with a, a grand, dramatic gesture, mm-hmm. of course. So certainly it can r- relate to that. And a movie like this would have been terrible for me to have seen because I would have thought that that was just really, really, um, like, uh, what's the word? Of effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what I was struck by
0: was, one, how fast the actual scene is you know mm. it does not take up very much screen time two we get the shot of diane who's just laying in her bed and she never comes out like in theory it ends up working i think in the long run but like in the moment like she doesn't run out to him <laughs> like it just it just happens is there and it's gone away you know and so uh The grand gesture of it all, but because it's almost so fleeting, I think, like you said, the poster part of it, and obviously I think the song itself, uh, Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes, uh, Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with that. And I I read how they're, I think they kind of tested a lot of different songs, even in the moment uh, that they were filming it, of like what the song would be. But uh, yeah, I just, I thought that was really funny that like it is this grand gesture, but really in the moment it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like she just stays in her room. <laughs> so
1: I that was totally lost on me until you mentioned it and now you're so <laughs> you're so right. You're so right. Uh yeah, you know, I feel like there are certain things that are just they loom large in certain periods of time. And being at someone's when maybe it's just because it was before cell phones. That's that's probably it. But um and not wanting to call someone's house phone. But I can think of like off the top of my head, like I feel like at least four movies in the eighties were like throwing rocks at someone's window or being at their window. There's a Steve Martin movie that's called uh Roxanne.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, there's, I mean, I won't name them all, but I mean, I, I guess like if I were from another country and I were watching movies from that period, I'd be like, "What man, like this must be like the thing that you do. <laughs> yeah. if, if you really want to get through to somebody, you're at the window, which seems kind of funny to me now. So yeah, uh and let's talk about that trench coat. Okay. All right. I mean, it's he always has that thing on. Not always, but enough so I mean he's he's wearing it on a like a flight to England. <laughs> Lloyd, you don't you don't wear a trench coat on a plane, buddy. You know, I mean what's he what's he thinking there? It took me out of the moment a little bit, other than they're like, yeah, they're really sticking to this being his thing. Uh so that was great,
0: but he's got to smell a little bit, right?
1: Hadn't thought of that till <laughs> now, but you would have to be right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> always lugging a trench coat around, but hey, I to his credit, it is Seattle. Seattle's mm-hmm. known for rain, you know, so maybe he's just he's just always prepared.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, point. And, and yeah, he's going to England. I mean, you've you've already got yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. movie musings
0: usually with movie musings I go ahead and jump in with a question for you but just because you mentioned it I have to tell you a quick story about the Alamo so we took a family vacation about three or four years ago Um, and it was our summer of 35 so we stopped in Waco and Austin and San Antonio was part of the trip and we knew this it it was the middle of July we knew it was going to be hot but it was the only time we could do this vacation but we did the Riverwalk, and I said, we have to see the Alamo. I mean, we're here. We have to see it. Got to do it. And um, the look on my wife and girls' faces as we stood outside this building <laughs> in July, San Antonio heat. And yes. and also, granted, I I mean, I kind of knew that. But, you know, I had Texas. I grew up in Texas. In Texas history, you learned about the Alamo, like, all the time. yeah here in here in Oklahoma they don't really do each much about the uh the Alamo. <laughs> so anyway, I'll never forget the looks on their faces and we quickly ducked into a uh, uh what is it? The Hollywood uh Planet Hollywood or um yeah, Planet Hollywood or Hard Rock Hard Rock Cafe. But anyway, they had a they had a gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> get shop right off the river walk that was very heavily ac seed and so <laughs> that's yeah, where we spent most of our time but i'll never forget i'll never forget their looks at like why are we looking at this building right
1: now <laughs> hey hey listen nathan don't be so quick to discount you know knowledge of the alamo for an, a native oklahoman uh i grew up watching peewee's big adventure <laughs> and yeah. i was ready to see the alamo because uh you know what? It, his bicycle was apparently in a in the basement, or was it the attic of the Alamo? I can't remember.
0: No, no, um, he keeps asking about the basement in yeah. the Alamo.
1: So I was ready to see this Alamo, and uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's not a, as impressive as one might think it would be. <laughs> Especially no, in the middle of the summer. There's no basement in the Alamo. Uh, so I was going
0: to ask you, and it's very fitting. I I did not plan on this at all. I started this movie and I was like, oh my gosh, we're in May. Like, in May is like graduation season. And it was very fitting (laughs) that we were watching this movie during this time. But I was going to ask you, like, what was graduation like for you, like in general, like the feelings or
1: the size? I I don't know. So, graduation for me was interesting. I went to the same small school from the time I was in kindergarten through graduation. So I basically graduated with 30 people and spent um, every year of school with those same 30 people. You know, some people came and went, but um, so really, really small school. And my mom was a a school teacher there. And so um, I though never felt much of an attachment to that particular place and, and was ready to move on. And so I was excited to go do new things elsewhere. Now my senior year though, I spent, uh, I had enough credits that I would go to school for three hours a day at my high school. And then I was able to go take like a college class in the afternoon, a few days a week. So it was a strange year anyway, because I, I was there like half the time I really wasn't there. And so I feel like kind of mentally I had already kind of moved on from that. And, um, you know, I had a couple of close friends and, um, it was not a, I wouldn't even describe it as, as a bittersweet. However, what I do remember is is kind of that, um, well, I, I spent the summer with my high school girlfriend, you know, so, and, and we broke up as soon as college started. So there are certainly moments that, you know, I, I w- would have been relating to uh, in this movie. Of of seemingly having lost everything that I thought was just so so critical and important to me, but I, I can remember um, just the the anxiousness of of not knowing what to expect because I didn't know I didn't know what I was going to major in um, at all, and so I was like, I'm going to college. I always knew I was going to go to college. So I don't know. It was it was a if I could describe, I wouldn't call it awkward, but it was a it was a, it was an interesting time. What about you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I, yeah, I went to Baylor, and we. It, I don't know if it was unusual, but at not just my school, but a lot of people from my church. There was a big population that came from my hometown to Baylor, um, and so it was a pretty. And I grew up going to Waco just because I had family there and stuff, also. And so even though it was far away, it. it we had been there so many times just in life, not even just college that so I felt pretty comfortable. And then also I, the size of the school, I always said it was great because there was always someone new to me and you could always run into someone you knew. Mm. And so there was enough of a Longview population there that like, uh, it, it, it was probably a easier transition than for like a lot of people, but I was definitely, I was definitely ready uh, for the, for the change <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so uh, we are talking about the boom box and everything. W- what was one of your favorite cassette tapes that you owned?
1: Easy. Uh, and I got it through BMG, you know, those movie m- music clubs.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: So it would have been Garth Brooks rope in the wind.
0: No, oh, Nice. <laughs> Strangely enough, I was listening to Garth Brooks this weekend. I don't know why, but yeah,
1: because it's great music. That's why. <laughs> that's what, were you, what were you listening to?
0: Oh, I, I just we have a, a Alexa device, and um, like it's usually I guess my weekend thing after like a long run or whatever. Because uh, in the normal during the week, I don't turn on music when I like take a shower and get ready for the day. But I, I said, uh, Alexa, shuffle '90s country hits solid it's solid solid.
1: (laughs) i will i will tell you i mean the the story about this boombox is actually bigger than you would probably want it to be but i'll tell you uh when i was 12 i really 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 wanted a cd player oh yeah i didn't own any cds because i didn't have a cd player so in my 12 year old mind i thought i was going to be really clever and kind of like guilt or pressure my mother into getting me a cd player by going out and buying a cd (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that meant going to Walmart, which was seven miles away with my mom and buying, um, what was the first Garth Brooks compilation CD? I mean, it was only 12 songs and I owned that CD for a good year and a half, maybe two years before I had a CD player. So it didn't work, but (laughs) By the time I got that CD player, I was real excited to play that Garth Brooks C D. Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: I'm sure I'm sure all the songs were just perfect. <laughs> not a I bad track not a bad track on a not, CD. A bad, not a bad
1: track. It's hard to go wrong with Garth, yeah. So
0: That's funny. I um I wouldn't pinch. I mean, I know you're from, you know, Oklahoma, so it's easy. It, run you know find somebody in this state that doesn't like Garth Brooks but uh i, I just no i wouldn't have pinji for a country fan everybody's got to start somewhere <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so you you alluded to and we've talked about it before but uh, you have three dollars i have two dollars uh, a big component of is the conversation that Diane has with her dad and that open dialogue and everything and that's a lot to touch on as far as like you know how you talk to your daughters about what do you what is it like to be a girl dad do you have like these uh obviously they're not to the age that these characters are yet but do, do you have those heartfelt type of conversations openness
1: i certainly desire to have that type of relationship i my oldest daughter is almost 13 at this point i have an 11 year old and an eight year old at this point in time and i will say this about my mom she is a great communicator she's very she's raised me to be very uh open about talking about things and i'm so thankful for that I, it seems as though right now in my daughter's lives uh they do not yet appreciate that quality <laughs> <laughs> in me you know there's things that they would rather not talk about maybe with the the level of openness uh, that that i would but um so i will that's that's just something that very important to me so i know that someday they'll either appreciate that or they won't but that's just who i am so yeah
0: yeah i i'm very fortunate being married to whitney and it probably took a little getting used to like when we were, just that she, she grew up in a family that talked about everything like mm-hmm. all the time and so i i still i, I try to be better i i, I hold my, my cards close to mine uh the chest sometimes you know and so i I've, I've really made great strides in that and so in raising our daughters we we and i i appreciate that in her because i see the importance of that and i tried to do that yeah. you know with them uh but yeah uh, especially hallie who's in the, you know middle school years and stuff um i i just one of my favorite podcasters bill simmons and he, he mainly does sports but uh he has a daughter that just graduated high school but uh he he's always told stories and they she plays soccer. So they've done all these long road trips and stuff like that. And his best advice, and I think it's great advice is to just not say anything like, especially in those car trips. Cause that's our inclination is to always ask questions and stuff like that. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, it's just amazing how I, when I'm just quiet in the car, she'll just start talking to me, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I, I, I really, I really enjoy, you know, we do lots of carpooling with our friends and stuff like that. I'd love to get her friends going and just sitting back and listening. Those are like some of my favorite, favorite moments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I learn, I learn a lot.
1: <laughs> That's great advice. It really is. Yeah. I'm seeing the wisdom in that, especially lately. <laughs> I've had, to, I've had to adjust my strategy somewhat. And so, uh, sometimes saying saying less is is almost more if i'm wanting to get anything from her yeah well you you,
0: you don't mind prodding a little bit you kind of like you like the game oh, the sure. game behind that
1: <laughs> oh sure sure you know what's funny is uh when we also have friends writing along too they seem to have no trouble talking with me and and i'm i'm kind of like you i'm like all right take it away you know like let's get the conversation going and And just sit back and kind of listen in. So it's a lot of fun. Rom-com rankings, the romantic chemistry between the leads. So,
0: where where is your ranking with this? Like, how do you feel
1: the connection is between Lloyd and Diane? I guess I kind of I showed my cards a little too early here, but um, I think that this is where I just feel like the, the she's. I don't love, I don't love Diane. I can appreciate her. She's great. I she, She's just a little too, I I don't know. I just had a hard time again, seeing what was so great to him about her. You know, you know what I mean? And no, no knock on her, I guess, but I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't struck by the romantic chemistry. And this, it was just, it just seemed maybe a little too, um, I feel like she was kind of awkward at times, honestly yes yeah. yeah i mean he was too it's not like he was mr smooth smooth guy but um yeah i mean give me any uh meg ryan you know um tom hanks movie i mean i'll, I'll i love that type of like chemistry but um i i wasn't i wouldn't rank a whole lot of chemistry in this one maybe maybe yes. with me. yeah i don't know yeah,
0: no, so uh, what, what's the ranking what heart ranking would
1: you I, give this i i'm I can't give them I I'm gonna give it a two, two out of five. Oh wow, that's pretty low. Yeah. Uh
0: I, I give them three. Like you, it's probably more a relationship of convenience mm. more than anything. You know, they're they're for each other at the right time in their lives. And I feel I, I I feel like I'm glad there hasn't been a sequel to this movie because I feel like whatever happened to them, I just see them. It, it being okay i mm-hmm. feel like it, it's the departure is probably you know mutual i i don't know but um he you know he he's definitely there to push her uh to a certain independence mm-hmm. and she's there to maybe kind of showcase w- what can happen if you have some direction <laughs> in your life yeah um so, but then i feel like when they fully get to those points it'd be like Okay, it was nice knowing you.
1: (laughs) Listen, I mean, you know, no doubt about it, 10 years after this, Diane was married to an investment banker. Lloyd was probably introduced to his wife by Diane because they're still such great (laughs) friends. You know what I mean? Uh, They probably still call each other on the phone. They're that great. She's she's now in the circle because he's definitely kept up with Corey and DC. There's no doubt about it. You know, they've probably come over to England a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everyone ended up okay.
0: Yeah. Do you think he was still friends with her dad? No, no. <laughs> that that won't ever change.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, well, you touched on it and we talked a little bit, the second category, the best friends. So uh Corey and DC, uh one to five, what do you give them?
1: I ha- I mean it's as good as it gets in a right. movie for me five.
0: Yeah, I agree with I agree with you. They were just they're, they're great. And as someone who I just had lots of friends who are girls in my life, uh, I had some really close uh, girlfriends like that, that, you know, you could talk about these such things and stuff like that. And so I just think they nailed it perfectly. And I just they're so they're so supportive. They're so supportive of him. I just I just love it. So yeah. And he's supportive of them. So, yeah, I, I like them a lot. Uh okay, so you mentioned it. I, I I don't know, maybe a hot take about the soundtrack uh, not being your favorite. Um, you know, uh, I, I will say, unlike maybe some of other Cameron Crowe's movies, where I really notice noticeably uh, hear the songs. Um, obviously, you know, In Your Eyes is the the big one from this one uh but unlike some like jerry Maguire and almost famous i mean the songs are just like right there in your face i think these are a little bit more in the background but this this isn't your favorite soundtrack ever
1: no and it, it's it's probably more just the selection of songs i mean i wasn't in high school when those were a thing i'm sure if i were I, it would there'd be some you know nostalgia factor there for me as well um but that's okay. I don't have to love these. I don't, I don't hate them. They just, it, it honestly is, I, I'm i going to go out and buy like either the CD or the, the vinyl version of this just so I can get those liner notes. I'll probably just Google them because I, I was so curious to read that he had actually said a lot about them. I mean, there's nothing I love more honestly in life than not liking something. And then someone that I know appreciating it and, and explaining to me what it is that they love about it, and I'll instantly like usually love it more than things that I love, you know what I mean? I, I kind of like uh-huh. being surprised in that way. And so, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. But I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't buy that soundtrack just to listen to those songs.
0: Okay, yeah. So I I listened to it, and also I'll, uh, I'll just go through some of the artists on, that are on here: uh, Peter Gabriel, Cheap Trick, Depeche Mode living color culture personality which is kind of a very popular song bob dylan's on here red hot chili peppers steely dan uh, i don't know if you want to count the whitney houston uh, song greatest love of all <laughs> the, the graduating yeah, yeah. seniors yes. on stage but yeah. um i i would say uh camera crow probably really has a knack like if you have listened to his other soundtracks you know, he always uses very popular artists, but he probably has a tendency to pick some tracks that you've not ever heard of. It's very like, it's a very music person guy to be like, yeah, those are the hits, but have you heard this song? You know, and so that's what I feel like this soundtrack is a lot of. It's like, oh yeah, have you heard of this band? But have you heard this song? You know, probably what they would you know, say back in the day, the B side, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's kind of how it felt. So I, I gave this four hearts because and listening. I was like, Oh yeah, I, I, I really enjoy the music. I was a little surprised because I didn't know a lot of the songs, but um I, I really like the Steely Dan song on there for <laughs> whatever reason. But yeah,
1: well, I certainly like a lot of the artists that are on it. This, the songs that were selected, just not my favorite. However, I'm not going to rank this one as low as you think I might because it does have in your eyes on it. It 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 is. I don't think you can think about this movie apart from that song. Um, when when I told you I had wanted to discuss this one, you know, if if we have just a couple minutes, there is a, a very strong tie to this song, and I mentioned that summer I was watching this a lot is when I was first talking to who was now my wife and Nicole Nordeman. She's a Christian artist, contemporary Christian artist. I had her album and she had a cover of this on it. And I had listened oh. to that so many times, not ever having realized. Um, I mean, I, I didn't think that she wrote it, but I had never associated. Oh, wait, that's like a, you know, classic Peter Gabriel song. And so then I was, I was, you know, watching this movie at the same time. and It's just a nice special connection. Cause that's um, a great song. So, yeah. um, and because I know that Cameron Crowe put this together with a great amount of um, intentionality, I'm I'm gonna give it a four out of five.
0: Okay, all right, man. Yeah. Well, so maybe not so much of a hot take. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. I just don't like the songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the uh, fourth category: chase scene or declaration of love. So I think this one can kind of be a little hard. I, I think people would go to the boom box, boom box scene, but I. I I don't know. I I think more towards like the kind of end of the movie. And she certainly kind of comes back to him. And I think the declaration of love could also be tied into uh, the, seeing her dad, you know, in prison in that Mm -hmm. courtyard. Um, I think this one's a little hard to gauge, but what, what what would you rank it?
1: It is hard to gauge because the moment where she kind of chases him, uh, where she goes to the kickboxing gym. Yes. And um, first of all, they made her look like 10 years older. in that scene more than any scene around, like her eyes were sunken in. And it was very strange to me um, from like, a, I don't even know what you'd call it. Like makeup type of situation. But um, what was it? He said to her, Nathan, he's like, do you, do you love me? Or do you just, do you just need somebody? Like, is it me that you need or just somebody? Mm-hmm. and i feel like and then what does he say i don't even care what the answer is because that kind of eludes like his thing like so i am gonna say this is a hard one for the declaration of love scene i want to make it just real where we have to read a lot into it would be the final scene with the pin with her dad okay because that. i mean if if you're not watching closely That can feel like such a brush off. However, I don't think that it was. I really don't think it was because when her dad first suggested she give Lloyd a pin and it was probably close to a $9,000 pin. I mean, let's be, (laughs) let's be honest. I mean, that was probably an IRS, you know, tax evasion pin. Right. (laughs) But you know, she says, dad, never in a million years could I give him a pin to show him that I care about him. Um, but then, you know, kind of not knowing what else to do, she does, because I think in, in that in that haste of, of them breaking up in the car, she she does feel that about him and she does want to show him. And I'm sure he was like, I all I got. He didn't understand the meaning behind or intentionality behind it. And I feel like that was just such a nice tie in at the end of the movie. You could read it a few different ways, which I thought was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. So how do you rank it after
1: saying mm, all that? Okay. I'm sorry. This wasn't about explaining. It was ranking it. Um, I would say I'll give that because it is kind of like you really can chew on it. I'll give it a four out of five.
0: Okay. That's what, that's why I gave it as well. I, right. I, I really, I really liked that scene and it, it very, uh, I mean, he came Crow just knows how to bring closure, uh, to a story. Yeah. And, uh, for very seemingly very complicated reasons. I think they do a good, a good job of that. Uh, and the last category I have is rewatchability.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll give this a five out of five. It's easily rewatchable. Easily. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I was... Uh, I I was there as well, uh, especially watching this. And immediately, I um, save uh, probably maybe the ca- the car scene. I was like, "This is a movie I think Hallie would really like." Like, I just you know, it's, it was already kind of a movie. I was just like, "Oh, like okay, I'm gonna lock that away." Is like when we don't know what else to watch. Like, hey, we need to, we need to watch this movie again. So yeah, uh, very much so. And that's what I've always loved about Cameron Crowe: always so many funny moments, but also very. Uh, many, many dramatic moments as well. And it's no surprise. I, I meant to say earlier, but this is produced by James L. Brooks, who has always been one of my favorite uh, creators who created a uh, terms of endearment and broadcast broadcast news. And so he's, he's known for these type of movies that bring a lot of drama, but also, you know, the h- real life humor as well. So uh, it's very fitting that this, you know, If it wasn't Cameron Crowe, you might have maybe guessed it. Maybe this is a James L. Brooks film, so very much in that vein. Do you have any closing thoughts about this movie?
1: Just if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's worth one watch. I don't care when you grew up. Um, There's some things that might make you uncomfortable, but you're going to have some nice laughs. You're going to walk away feeling pretty good about these two people. I I have to mention this This is a terrible way to end something, but... um, at the party there's a guy that comes up to lloyd and you know clearly has some self-doubt issues and he's like so uh diane how did you get how did you get a a day with diane i just asked her "Hmm? this gives me hope thank you this gives me hope and i don't know if it's because he sees Lloyd as equal it's just you know or or not but that was a nice little. That guy got a lot of screen time in the movie. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I mean, he spent, he spent you know hours with this guy. Um, so again, a terrible way to close out because I'm I'm re- rehashing back to it. But moments like that. I mean, this this movie almost feels like just a series of those types of moments. You could almost just talk about that. I actually bought yes. this on on Apple, uh, like via Apple, right? And it's funny it, one of the special features like digital features are scenes and I thought it was like on a DVD where it's like taking you to like you know specific points in time in the movie but it isn't it's just about 15 scenes like huh. that and they all kind of hold up on their own you know they're they're nice so
0: Recommenda- Re- recommendations
1: uh well anything
0: uh, that you are like reading or listening to or watching that you'd like to recommend to our listeners
1: two things one as far as watching goes if you haven't seen the english with emily blunt i've heard of it i think it's a it's a mini series It's one season of it start to finish it's not the type of thing you're going to want to watch while you're folding laundry you're going to want to sit down with it soak it up great great visuals amazing story definitely worth watching
0: Okay, what what uh, streaming platform is that on?
1: Uh, Amazon Prime.
0: Oh, okay. We'll have to check that out. What's the second thing?
1: Second thing is music, and um, the artist is Madison Cunningham. Okay. Amazing. I don't know. I don't Amazing. know anything. Amazing. She's a young singer songwriter. Um, she is one of these people that once you start listening to her music, if you're the type of person that likes looking at liner notes, the people that she already has collaborated with. I mean, if you go look her up on iTunes, she probably has more collaboration songs than she does even albums of her own. But I I am, I mean, she is, a, I'm a guitarist and she is a guitarist. She is is good, but she's a singer songwriter too. And so she's not flashy, but she's, um, she's really good. And her songwriting is incredible. So, um, If you haven't given her a listen, please do. Um, Pin It Down is the song I would start with. If you're going to listen to one song by her, it's called Pin It Down. It's really good.
0: Okay. Well, I'll have to check that out uh, for sure. Uh, it's, it's just sticking to the music uh, storyline of this whole podcast and your recommendation, uh, mine is actually – uh, book, and I would actually recommend the audiobook version of this, but you, I think you would really like this a lot, Bill, but it's The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music by Dave Grohl, who is f- famously the lead singer of the Foo Fighters, his band, but also the drummer of Nirvana, and I say the audiobook, I, I think it, a lot of it is really brought to life by him, by him reading it, it, the story, and he's always, always have kind of said that he's he, he almost seems like a Muppet Uh, In real life (laughs) human form But uh, he I I just I think you would really like This book it's really not so much about The songs that they wrote You know you won't get like backstory story Why I wrote this song and this is what this lyric Meant but it really is just these kind of Little snippets of his life and there's Really I mean he goes from kind of start To finish but there's really no like He just kind of talks about something They don't have this really like overall Connection he kind of ties it all together at the end, but I think you'd really like that. Ooh, uh, but it's that. Yeah, but it is funny too, though, uh, if you listen to it, just because, I mean, he's so famous at this point and such a well-respected musician, but as part of the appeal of the book is... Hearing these like stories of other like famous musicians, but you know he tells us this one story where Joan Jett you know stays the night at his house and plays with his girls, or he talks about how he's friends with Paul and Linda, you know, and you're like, yeah, this person definitely lives in a whole different world than I live in. But uh, but how he got there is just really interesting, and uh, so and I I've always loved Nirvana and the food Fighters, always been a big fan of him, so it's just i'd suggest that but as spring is winding down and we are heading towards memorial day weekend i thought it'd be a good chance to maybe take a little breather from this rom-com list and talk about one of my favorite summer blockbusters jurassic park and believe it or not though uh, it is celebrating its 30th anniversary no way wow yeah <laughs> so uh I, I thought it'd be a good time to revisit that i can't convince hallie to watch this movie with me why and, well Dinosaurs. That's okay. all she always says is dinosaurs. Like, is is
1: that boring to her, or is it that it's maybe, I mean, scary, or it's just of of just no interest? Is just not in her.
0: Oh, no interest. I don't think the scariness factor, but I think she's, you know, just she probably just still thinks in her head like being around boys. They just always talked about dinosaurs, so she don't know she doesn't know what the big deal is. But I keep trying to tell her it's like it's really not about dinosaurs. I mean, it is, but you know, so anyway but so listen to next week's episode to find out if i could convince her to watch it with me <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> the, yeah so um as always check out movies for episode reviews and more if you love this podcast please take a moment to rate and review the podcast this really helps us with finding new listeners and Bo, thanks for uh coming on and Uh, talking about this movie uh it's always great to talk to you but um anyway i'm really glad you picked this movie i I, as soon as i was watching it i was like yeah this 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 movie is Bo." it just felt like it
1: (laughs) oh yeah hey thanks for thanks for asking me on and uh, if you want someone to talk about jurassic park 5 uh i'm your man whenever that comes around in about 10 years (laughs)
0: okay (laughs) i'll keep that in mind well thanks again to everybody for listening and remember to file your tax returns